British band uh, by the name of Led Zeppelin. Uh, got popular in the 60s, maintained that popularity into the 70s. I just thought every once in a while it's fun to break out something people haven't heard before. Actually, the reason we're starting with that on episode 203 of The Brian Oak Show is that the seasons are a-changing, Sean Bernard. Just like that. Did the, you notice? The weather was so beautiful. And now it's bottomed out. Well, no, it hasn't it's bottomed over. out. No, 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 no. By this time of the year, usually there's several inches of snow on the ground. And you're like, oh, shit, I didn't rake. And now I have to rake in the spring. Oh, snow raking My- sucks. <laughs> when you're raking up snow with leaves and then your spouse is just looking at you like, well, I told you about 116 times. It Jesus. Rakes. You know, three weeks ago. Way too real, real man. I thought, I thought we were here to have fun. I don't get it. Why start now? It, uh, good call. Brian Oak Show, episode 203. That is Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. And it is changing here in the upper Midwest, right? But that's to be expected. Literally by this time every year, it's usually brutal. And the wind and snow are biting at your face. We haven't quite gotten there but the times, they are changing. It was on the way over here. You know, we just did another podcast by Zoom from the comfort of my home in my warm, comfy slippers. And then I had to come outside. And I don't mind that. I don't mind coming to the Smart Start MN studio. But, um, boy, I was reminded rather dramatically that uh, it's colder outside. Yeah, it's no joke right now. As our friend Chris Schaefer uh, said last night, it's people start doing the high shoulder walk. Yeah. Where it's just, you, you don't want that wind going the back of your neck. So you just kind of... Walk with the really high shoulders. Look at this ludicrous Michelin Man jacket that I wear. As soon as it gets into the 30s, I here's the deal. I don't actually get that cold, but I don't want to be cold. So preemptive, right? I mean, I grew up, I was a Boy Scout growing up. I know it's hard to believe looking at me. I mean, I almost made it to Life Scout, man. How did you do in the Pinewood Derby? Crap. Yeah, me too. My engineering skills are garbage, and my yeah. dad didn't have the wherewithal to cheat by putting in, like, lead fillings there in the bottom of the it. There was always the dad to... that would do that. Fucking yeah. engineer dad. Good yeah. one. Hmm. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What do they do? They have technology they will put in your car that should you fuck up royally, they will get you back on the road. And by fuck up royally, I mean drink and drive. Everyone knows you're not supposed to do that. Yet, shockingly, people still do it on an alarmingly regular basis. It, it's like the alcohol clouds their judgment. It's almost yeah. like drinking booze makes you feel like you're better at things than you are. Hmm. You're not, and you will get arrested, and you will go to jail. And even if you're not found guilty, you're going to lose your license. A Smart Start MN will get you back in your vehicle. They can install technology that will allow you to drive much sooner and for a lot less money than you otherwise might believe. That's the way the game works. How do you find out more? SmartStartMN.com. Enter or then slash The Brian Oak Show and find out more. You can get 20% off the installation of the inter... What's it called? Interlock... Ignition interlock yeah, technology. That's it, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm so you, glad. I usually say that part, so I was frozen. I just yeah. totally forgot what it was. Don't freeze up on me now, Sean. We oh, have a whole podcast man. out in front it's of us. Cold. In fact, we're going to go further and deeper into Sound Unseen. This is going to be our third podcast about Sound Unseen. We're lucky enough to not have one but two directors with us. You and I both love music. We go deep on music, yes. right? And but movies. To me, the connection, that, that, that connective tissue, finding out the stories... That informs what makes that artist so great or tells you a story you've never heard before. If you've missed the last couple episodes, episodes 201 and 202, please go back and check them out. But before we talk to the two directors who are joining us today, we should talk to Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. Oh, hi, Brian. You are also a sponsor of the show. In addition to being an ally, a friend, a co-owner, a producer, you work in realty. You know, that's your side hustle. I mean, obviously, aside from all this sweet podcast money you're making... A little something on the side never hurts. <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd sell some houses, help people buy them, and make some extra cash for help help the kids go through college. I How's guess. that going? Not bad. Not bad. Thanks for asking, Brian. Good story. Yeah. Good, good. story. Good. Anything you want to do to promote your business or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the market is still pretty strong. It's getting a little bit more balanced. The interest rates are still really low, although there's a projection that they may rise into next year. So there are some people I'm actually doing showings later today and tomorrow, not dressed like this. But I'm doing showings uh, because there's people that will actually buy this time of the year. It only goes down about 40% in the wintertime here in Minnesota. Oof, do you have to wear like a suit and tie? I don't wear a suit and tie, but I do put on... A nice clean shirt? And pants. Slacks. I like to wear slacks. You're a big slacks guy. I, I love the word slacks. Pleated? 
No pleats. Why not? I'm more flat front guy. Dude, if mom jeans can come back, pleated slacks not can come back. Not a fan of the pleats. Yeah. 612-859-2594. I also donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician. The coolest thing about Sound Unseen is that it's fucking cool, right? I mean, like, that it's recognized internationally. Well, it is, though. <laughs> it's recognized internationally as one of the most interesting and distinctive film festivals on planet Earth, which is interesting because we only have planet Earth. We don't have any other planets. They, there are planets. It's just their no, movies No, there suck. are billions yeah. of them. No, and, and also they're bad at putting together these kind of festivals, right? So <laughs> this remains one of the most interesting. If you're a music fan and you don't know about Sound Unseen, there was once a simpler time. Gather around, kids. Grandpa's going to tell a story where you could just walk out of the house whenever you felt like it. You didn't have to wear a mask. You didn't have to wash your hands. Uh, you could pee with, and leave the bathroom without washing your hands and everything was fine and then you could go sit down and eat popcorn in a movie theater no and no what? no 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 okay you know i'm exaggerating but there was a time i mean sound unseen this is its 22nd year and for most of its life there was a time where you could just go out to an array of cool mm-hmm. local venues and watch these incredible films where you're like how did they find the money for this how'd they find the time Nobody gives a shit about this band, but it was still fascinating, which is to me what's at the heart of art. It doesn't matter if there is a commercial goal at the end. People who make films, just like people who sculpt, people who paint, people who write songs, sure, they'd love to be successful. They'd love to be rich. They would love their art to reach the widest possible audience. But they do it anyway. Even if they think that no one's ever going to see it, they make this thing, right? And then you get involved in a festival like this where there are like-minded people who are like, oh, shit, there's other people out there who feel like this. And that's a great feeling. And then you get a festival like this that allows you to bring it to a wider audience. Sound Unseen is back with a force this year. And we're going to talk to a couple of directors who've made some very interesting movies slash videos coming up just ahead. But before we do, you know, I was thinking about, um, well, when I woke up this morning, I looked outside and it was another gray late autumn Minnesota day, right? And that's why I played the Led Zeppelin. And then I thought about this band right here, part of the Elephant Six Collective. And it's not a band that everyone's ever heard of. I mean, many people have, and they're a cool band, and lots of people have heard of them. But long before it was popularized in Game of Thrones, the phrase, the winter is coming, was popularized vaguely by this band right here. Here's Elf Power on The Brian Oak Show. Oh, 
right there. Elf power. The winter is coming. Although that almost makes it sound like a gay mad circus. Fantastic. Hooray. Mm. Winter's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you at 4.30 a.m. when I'm scraping my windows and I'll give you a call. It is the Brian Oak Show, episode 203, Sound Unseen. One of the most interesting. If you're a music head, there's probably not a better music festival nationwide, period. The end. Uh, in America and maybe worldwide, they do this incredible job and they've honed their skills on picking the right things. This cool variety of, well, let's be honest, America's a massive country, right? And even if you're not focusing on an American band or an American artist, there is all of, there are so many different ways of approaching your content and your subject. That's why I like to have artists on the show, whether they be musicians or directors or bakers or frankly, even politicians, right? I mean, this is how we learn more about the people that we share the planet with is by talking to them and hearing about their stories. A couple of the featured items at this year's Sound Unseen. Uh, there's a film called Skating Polly, Ugly Pop, directed by Henry Mortensen. Henry, hello. Hi. Thanks for being here in the yeah. Smart Start MN studio. I'm actually a baker as well. Are you really? Sort of. What's I your favorite? So like I mean, make a mean sourdough. Well, now here's the deal. Uh, I have a good friend who is a... Uh, a caterer and cook by trade, but he told me he wouldn't fucking touch baking because baking is an entirely different science. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, but that's what I like about sourdough is that it's kind of the exception to that. It's a little messy. Yeah. And it requires a little bit of just kind of feeling things out because you're dealing with wild bacteria that you're kind of taking care of in your starter and you're just you gotta kind of let it do its thing. It's gonna do it on its own schedule and it's not gonna be the same amount of time every time. It sounds like kombucha. Yeah. Or parenting. It is a... <laughs> it is, I'm, I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. Maybe I'll really it is. It's, it's, it's a little less smelly than, than parenting, probably. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that first, the first time when you have a little kid... And again, my daughter's now 23, and I was just reminiscing the other day. The first time that blowout happens where sometimes... Oh, yeah, up the back. They have shit it. on yeah. the back of their neck, yeah. and you're like, how did you do that? How did you fucking do? I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the nature of what's happening. The hell happened down here? Why did I ever do this? We also are joined by Amy Bildhars, who has done a great video, and we're going to find out more about that in just a moment as well. Amy, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. All right, Amy, question for you first. How? Where are you from? So I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, but uh-huh. I live in Seattle, Washington now. Now, that's literally the other side of the country. What prompted your move to Seattle? Well, I know I really loved Seattle back in the grunge days. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. music. And so is that really when you moved there? Into it. But it's not when I moved, but it was always simmering in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Memphis, I lived in Chicago for a little while. And then I moved to California and lived in the Bay Area. And there were various circumstances that made it so that I uh, needed to move to Seattle anyway. When I was leaving Chicago uh, and thinking about the San Francisco Bay Area, I was wondering, well, wait, should I go to Seattle instead? But I went to California, but ended up in Seattle anyway. So uh, having been, spent plenty of time in both of those places, they both have incredible bays. Like I was born in Portland, Oregon. I have been to the Oregon coast no less than 30 times in my life. It's, it's beautiful. It's my single favorite spot on planet Earth. But I've also been to San Francisco plenty, and I've also been to Seattle plenty. Both have incredible bays right there. Other than the fact that San Francisco is prohibitively expensive to live in, (laughs) why would you go from San Francisco to Seattle? Well, so... um, Tell me the story. Was it love? (laughs) Was it wanderlust? Yeah? Um, So my brother made it out to Seattle before me, and I would go visit him every year and knew I loved the city. And I started in San Francisco working remote for a Seattle-based company. Mm-hmm. And then when I traveled back and forth for meetings in Seattle for my company, I met a guy. And so I did indeed, with those three things, realize that it was time to go to Seattle. Now, the relationship only lasted a year, but my love for Seattle just exploded. And, and I've been there 12 years now, and I love it. It's one of the greatest spots on, well, certainly in America, but also on planet Earth. In my humble opinion, I love the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. Henry, where are you from? 
Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles mostly. I lived in Idaho a little bit when I was a toddler. But no, I didn't know that LA. people anyone was ever actually born in L.A. Having yeah. been to L.A. and New York as often as I have, I feel like every single person I meet in either of those places is from somewhere else, and they come there because this is where you go to ply your trade. This is where you go to make the greatest number of connections. This is where you go to make sure that your legend is established you were born in los angeles yes yeah really? um yeah and a lot of people in la are surprised when they find that i think i mean if you're from there obviously you because of that know other people that are from there and might still be there um maybe that's the whole thing so everyone born in minnesota or born really almost yeah. anywhere else moves to la or new york where do people who are born in la move to like i'm gonna head out to poughkeepsie and make it big <laughs> I'm going to head to Tuscaloosa and see if I can't get my stuff done there. Why, I mean, yeah. A lot of the hip kids, they just go, they switch to New York um, okay. or they go to the Bay Area. That's probably the, yeah. the, most, the most common uh, places people head out to. Um, yeah, I I think that the people who move there are kind of the reason why people who are from there move away, though. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. they just want it to be their nice hometown. Right. As opposed to this place... <laughs> with cool like, city stuff. A you know, seething but, cauldron of ambition, yeah. right? That, I mean, like, that people can't get away yeah. from. Yeah, and it's weird because there's kind of two sides to L.A. in that way where there's a side that's very down-to-earth and laid-back and, and you can wear whatever you want. I, I, I grew up mostly and still live in, in Venice Beach and... Until recently, you could go into pretty much any restaurant or store barefoot, and it was like no big deal, and things like that. And just who are you, Jim Morrison? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I love yeah. that idea because yeah. you know that legend of uh, for a guy who's lived almost his entire life in the Upper Midwest. You hear the legends of Venice Beach, right? And it sounds cool as fuck. It sounds like you've got the coolest people, but also the mellowest vibe. To yeah. me, that's the California dream. I don't want to live in L.A. I don't want to live in a mansion. I don't want to live in the hills. I want to live in a crap apartment about a block off Venice Beach and be able to just wander and live the life you're yeah. talking about. But you said that's recently changed? Well, yeah. So, I mean, kind of like what you were saying with, with San Francisco, uh, it's a similar thing. There's people trying to, real estate developers trying to call that area Silicon Beach. No, because uh, so like Snapchat moved there, Google has offices, so there's a lot of... Of course. uh, And housing prices have gone up so much, there's other people that just moved to that neighborhood expecting something more like the hills, and it's not. uh, And the people who come to work for the tech companies, which like tech could be anywhere and they want to be in the entire world, um, but they picked a place that has a reputation for being cool. But the thing is, they don't actually want the gritty weirdness that makes it cool. Right. And so the types they of businesses... They like the idea yeah. of it as opposed to actually having to traffic in it yeah. every single day. And so then the types of businesses that open up to cater to them are very, uh, you know, tend to be changed, tend to be, or high, you know, higher price points, a lot of stainless steel, that kind of stuff. And so that's, it's changed a lot since, since I grew up in that way. Uh, it's safer, but it's, I, I, don't think it's a worthwhile trade. I don't. I don't think we. I don't think we go there to be safe, do we? Yeah, no, mean, that's, that's the sort, thing. That's the problem. That's sort of the nature yeah. of it. I want to ask you both a question. Um, you know, we do have to get to some music. I hate going too long without hearing a song. And you both picked some excellent songs here. Um, but I want to ask you each a question about your craft, right? So you're part of Sound Unseen, this incredible music film festival where you have to submit your stuff and you're like, I know I've made something great, but not everybody makes it into every film festival, right? Amy, I want to ask you, when is the first time that you were decided you were going to do visual media as your form of expression? Because there are so many ways to get what is in your head or in your heart out there. And film is not simple. Even when you have a small cast or a relatively simple scenario to deal with, there are so many damn moving parts. Whether we, t- I mean, you sit down and do a painting, yes, it could take months, it could take weeks, it could take years, but it's you and a canvas and the, the paint or the medium you've decided to use. When you have a film, you have subjects, you have editors, you have all these other things. When's the very first time film entered your life? Well, um, so... I am a visual artist and I uh, gravitated to photography and video was just in an extension of that, just the moving image. So I've long been creating pieces that are like video art and there is a period of time, um, maybe about uh, five to 
eight years ago where I started uh, creating these abstract imagery images with video and editing them to music. And then as I started meeting more musicians in Seattle, I started creating this video art for their live performances. So I create visuals um, for these live performances. I've been on tours with bands uh, managing the whole projection of the visuals. And I just love it so much. There's something about editing imagery to music. It just, in my soul, I just love it so much. And as an extension of that, I started making music videos for these artists as well. And um, and this has also just sparked my interest in moving into more narrative work. And But I still, my heart is still with music and video, so I, I may just continue to focus on music videos. I have to believe that whether we're talking about writing a song or making sourdough bread or doing <laughs> what you have chosen as your path, there are times when it almost magically and effortlessly falls into place. And then there are times where you're like, what the actual fuck? This is never going to work. And you, you're trying to Frankenstein it together. <laughs> oh, I mean, always. it runs the spectrum, right? Yes, there's always surprises, always things to work through that you weren't anticipating. But every once in a while, it does fall into your lap, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It eventually falls into place. Or happy accidents, for yeah, sure. Which is fine, which is absolutely great. Henry, how about you? Before we, Because we're going to talk yeah. about Henry's project first, because we've got his song up next. And then we're going to talk more to Amy about hers, Don't Ever Give Up. When do, I mean, because again, to me, filmmaking is one of the more complex ones, right? If you're a kid growing up, you like grab your dad's old guitar and you're like, I'm going to be a songwriter or <laughs> you find some paints and you start making painting or you, somebody left some yeast around and you start making sourdough bread, right? I mean, whatever sure. the case may well, be. Well, sourdough, all you need is flour and water to get it started. Yeah, but where, where's all that weird bacteria come it's, from, man? It comes from the wheat. <laughs> it's, it really? it's naturally, see, that's the things you're using wild, natural bacteria that grows on the wheat. So you get it, you take about a week to to get that to multiply in a jar. I get you. And then that, and then you have your own natural yeast. We're not here to talk about your mushroom growing <laughs> that you do, Henry. Okay? We're, we're not here to talk about mycology. We're here to talk about This your... isn't a kombucha podcast? <laughs> oh. I Wait. I... I, would, I would honestly rather be on fire than have a kombucha podcast. Although that's brilliant. No, that's the new Venice. I'm old Venice. No, no. Okay. All right. Seriously. Oh. What's that thing called? The mother? That like sort of weird jellyfish yeah. living thing that's in the giant jar that they just keep pulling glops out of to make the next batch. We're losing anyway, people, Brian. <laughs> let's talk about the movie because you've decided to do a film about yeah. this band, which is unlikely to begin with. You know, they're, they're, they're not the only young band, but this is a very interesting story that I've never heard before. But before we do, give me the elevator speech. When's the first time you picked up a camera? Why did you decide that cinema or film was what you were going to do to articulate the stories you wanted to tell? Um, well, to be honest, uh, wanting to film this band really is what kicked me into gear with that. Mm -hmm. um, but then, I mean, isn't there a learning curve? Don't you have to be like, I need the right camera. I need to know how yeah. I, I know technology has changed radically, right? I mean, obviously, this is something that's available to far more people than it ever has been before, whether it comes to music, filmmaking, whatever the case is. The nature of it has changed, but you still have to have an idea of the story you want to tell, of the technology you're going to use, of the way you're going to approach this particular story. That's a fairly steep climb from, I'd like to tell the story to, shit, I've yeah. done it. I'm fortunate enough to uh, have grown up with, with parents who are artists in, in multiple ways. Um, my mom's a musician and a, and a writer. She, You mentioned Jim Morrison. She moved to Venice Beach in the 70s because she wanted to be a poet like Jim Morrison. I'll bet. Me um, too. And ended up being a singer in a rock band like Jim Morrison and now has a... It's not a rock band we know the name of, is it? X. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. So now we're not going to make this the whole focus of it. Your mom's not Exene Chervain. Yeah, yeah, she is. Fuck off. So... You gotta wow. tell a story, Brian. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know how to tell this story. I so, Eck. How did I not know this already? X is a top five band all time for me. Oh, cool. The very first time I skipped school because I was a punk rocker. I skipped swim practice to go to my first all age show at First Avenue, the legendary downtown main room here in town. The it's the whiskey. 
if right. you will, of Minnesota. Um, I skipped it to go see X, and they literally changed my life. I did not know the story, and we're not going to make this show about your mom. I want to talk about your art. That's just um, that's a powerful revelation yeah. to me. Well, she's in, she's in the movie too, and she's how I got to know the band. So it's, she's an important part of it. But because of her, I, I've been growing up on tour and in recording studios, and that uh, my dad is a, an actor, but also a photographer uh-huh. and a writer. So I've also spent time on film sets, and I've learned uh, a, a bit about photography too. Yeah. From him, so uh, filmmaking and sound recording isn't something I, I studied in in school, but it's something that I just had a lot of exposure to and had a lot of experience with and kind of knew what I liked um, and then was fortunate enough to know people having grown up around that to ask questions of like, what kind of camera should I get and what's the important thing to focus on? And right. so sort of just thinking about it, I ended up, um, I actually have a, a, a portable Zoom recorder, which I think you have the same one over <laughs> yeah. there and you're using as an interface, which mm-hmm. I used to, to record from the soundboard I chose because mm-hmm. I knew that for this movie, that was more important than video quality was, right. was sound quality. And I knew that I needed a camera that was good in low light for filming shows. So I, I focused on that rather than getting just the best whatever camera. I was like, okay, this one, isn't the most expensive it isn't the best it's got a fixed lens but it's really good the sensors are great for low light so the shows are going to look good and that's that's you know so things like that of just uh really trying to do things on a budget and filming everything myself and trying to figure out ways to to make that work well and that's got to be an exciting process to grow and learn but then also to realize some success in that it's called skating poly ugly pop and it features on a band or it focuses rather on a band of a couple of very young people now we're going to talk more about it on the other side of the song but i want to hear the song first before we dive deep on your project and amy don't worry i've not forgotten about you we're just taking these one at a time having two directors in is weird uh also also not but in a good way not, oh no, it is. It's a really good way. I just, I'm worried this is going to take the next four and a half hours, but I'm, I'm trying to avoid a way of doing that. Skating Polly, Ugly Pop. Tell me the number one reason that this is the story you wanted to tell. We're going to hear the song and then you can dive much deeper into the film on the other side. Because they care about making music and making records that they are proud of and care about more than anything else. They don't care about being famous. They don't care about you know, being on TV, being rich, all the like Disney, whatever kind of behind the music story you hear. They just want to make good music that they're proud of.
Skating Polly is the band, the subject of Skating Polly Ugly Pop, a film being featured at this year's Sound Unseen Music Festival. Director Henry Mortensen is here, as well as director Amy Bilhars, who we'll talk to momentarily here. We've got to tackle these one at a time, though. When's the first time you ever heard of Skating Polly? And I know you told me why it was important to tell mm-hmm. their story. But at some point, you had to make the decision, I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to put real time and effort and money into making this story told. When did you hear about them, and what was the tipping yeah. point for you? Um, so um, we talked about my mom is Xene, and she was playing a, a solo show in Oklahoma City in, in 2010. Um, and uh, Kelly and Peyton, who now, there's three members, Kelly, Peyton, and Curtis. They're, mm-hmm. uh, Kelly and Peyton are stepsisters, and they started their band in Halloween 2009, when they were nine and 14 years old. And so they're not the first band of essentially, and I don't say this dismissively, kids who are like, yeah. we're going to make music. We're going to rock. We're yeah. going to do this thing, right? I mean, I think of another band out of the Pacific Northwest, Smush, mm. who did the same thing. But it doesn't mean you get to sound good. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you you have, I mean, just because you decide you want to yeah. do something doesn't mean you get to make a song that good. Yeah. But so they, they came to that show, my mom's, and it was a dark kind of night that was just dreary and not a fun show. Late in the tour, everyone was exhausted. But then these, these two girls came up to the stage and were so excited and happy to be there and like wanted to talk after. And they were like, it made the night of, of my mom and everyone else in the band yeah. to talk with them. And so she, and they were saying, oh, we have a band and like we're trying to play, you know, and this is flip phone days more. And so they were trying to play demos on their phone but you couldn't hear them so she gave them her email and then they were emailing back and forth and she's like wow okay like do you have someone producing this because this is like really good i i would maybe want to come work with you and they're like well we already finished our first record but would you maybe (laughs) want (laughs) if you wanted to produce our second record that would be amazing um and then so she came out and did that uh a record called lost wonderfuls that came out in in 2012 and so that's when i first heard them and i i first heard like around yeah 2010 2011 Heard those early demos, which uh, were good, but were very rough, and they're mostly untrained musically. Peyton took a f- couple months of drum lessons, and that's about it in terms of their formal training. But that's kind of the point of the yeah. band, right? It's like yeah. warts and all. Like, we have this youthful exuberance, but again, that doesn't always yeah. mean there's going to be good and songs it was, in it there, was right? still it was, Some of the songs were rougher, but they were good, and they were very punk rock, and they sounded very young, though, too, so there was a cute <laughs> element right. to it, but it was still really good. Right. But then that record, my mom did already was like oh this is just a full-on great rock record right uh and then so it was kind of the back of my head oh yeah those girls my mom worked with they're so great and then in 2014 they were playing a show in long beach and it was the first time i saw them live uh and hung out with them a little bit before and they were like hilarious which you can see in the movie they're just great to hang out with but their performance on stage just just hit me with this wow they're really earnest in what they're doing they're just up there being just badass and singing their hearts out like totally emoting themselves they're switching off who's on drums it's like crazy and chaotic sometimes sometimes it's beautiful and i just was like wow this is really cool you don't get to see this a lot and you especially don't get to see this with younger women or women in general a lot of times in the pop world women are usually just singers um, and I was just like, wow, this is really cool. Like people should see that this is happening and that this is a way to make music. Uh, like someone should film them. Someone should, should make a documentary. And then I just, as I was watching thinking like, well, I guess I could do that. Like <laughs> I, I have access to them and oh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I asked them and they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You want to <laughs> film us? Yeah, please. Um, and so I started following them around just because that, there's just a, a real genuineness that comes across immediately when, when, when you see them, and I just wanted to share that with people. The Midwest premiere of Skating Polly, Ugly Pop, is part of this year's Sound Unseen. Now, the other director we have with us right now is Amy Bilhars. Amy, you have chosen, in my opinion, a very interesting subject for the video you decided to do. Jay Gregory is not, well, like most artists, right? They're not like the regular people you run into on your day-to-day. Jay Gregory, I feel like, is one of those people who has to be a performer. I don't know what they would do if they were forced to sit in a cubicle and fill out TPS reports, right? Like most of us in this room couldn't do that shit if we had to, right? Oh, So tell me about, A, who Jay Gregory is, and B, how it came to be that he is someone that you decided to do this project with. Yeah, so Joe is from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, he's been doing music forever. Um, and we had a friend in common uh, who had seen my visuals work, and he had a show. So uh, he had a show scheduled as part of a festival in Seattle, and part of his performance on stage uh, includes um, what he calls statues, and it's practically nude people who just stand on stage, and they'll move just slightly here and there. And the festival said, you cannot have these nude statues. <laughs> Why not? Because nakedness. Be ashamed of the body, people, right? <laughs> we're not there yet, all right? We're waking up, but we're not there. So he was told he could not have nude people on stage. Yes. So he was looking for sort some sort of alternative um, visual experience for his show, and our mutual friend connected us. And so I started creating visuals for all of his music and working his shows. And then at some point he said, I need a music video for this song. And I said, I can do this for you. I can make you this music video. And so that's how it started. And here it is. So it's called Don't Ever Give Up. That's the name of it. When you talk about how he saw your visuals and you, your style has evolved I know it's very hard to do it over an uh, an audio format like this, right? But if you had to, right? I mean, people, I'm sure, ask you all the time in your artistic endeavors, well, what kind of stuff do you do? And yes, they could, you could send it to their phone, but we can't do that right now. <laughs> what words would you use to describe what informs how you approach your work and ultimately how you articulate these, these visual styles? Mm-hmm. So for the visuals, I will listen to the song over and over and come up with some ideas and feelings about the song. I'll consider the lyrics and then I'll go out and film footage for it. Or um, if it's something, an idea that I may not be able to execute myself, I'll look into stock footage. And most of my work is in post-production where I'm layering it, making it really abstract, adding lots of colors and a focus on certain movements. And I'll edit it to the song um, do you find that the so either the artist in this case Jay Gregory or the subject of the material does that end up informing what you decide to put in there what you decide to layer in or do you have sort of a prevailing style that's what you bring to the table I will say for the visuals the 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 intense layering and the bright colors um I tend to put that in all of my visuals that's that, that seems to be well, consistent. An artist has to have a style, right? <laughs> I mean, and so people know they're going to get at least a variation on that theme. I don't think people would be drawn to you if they didn't know that this is something you do. I did have a band come to me and say, we want a music video and we want it to look like your visuals with some narrative added. <laughs> okay, but but I mean, that's, that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a vision and you create a certain style of art and a certain type of thing. And so, I mean, that's... That means you're doing something right. If somebody came to you and they're like, this is what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one thing that's different about this Don't Ever Give Up video is I did not do that. I did not do my layering. I did um, saturate colors. I did have an emphasis on on color, but um, more for the feeling rather than the abstraction. Why? Why did you, I wouldn't say abandon, but why did you move away from the thing that's sort of the central informative bit about the visual work that you create? I think that I was worried it might take away from the story. I wanted it to be more clear and straightforward what you were seeing. Wow, very good. Well, let's hear a little bit of it. This is the song that you provided the video for that is mm-hmm. part of Sound Unseen. Jay Gregory, don't ever give up on The Brian Oak Show.
Gregory, don't ever give up the subject of a very cool video that's going to be featured this year at Sound Unseen 2021, the 22nd year of this particular festival. Amy, you make the video for this, right? This is what you do. You are making art. And then at what point do you like think, I'm going to submit this to a film festival? What what what, what happens there? Yeah, so um, we were really proud of the video. And I'm not sure what it what the moment was where I said, yeah, I think I have a chance. Um, But I I did. I started looking through various festivals and started submitting it, and it has gotten into a few, and and I'm just so thrilled, and it's very encouraging, and that drives me to continue working at this, and I, I just love it. Well, and here's the thing is like I I don't like the fact that it's a cool contest, right? But every every single festival out there, no matter what the subject matter is, no matter what it is, they can't play every single video or film that is submitted, right? There has to be a vetting process. They have to go through and decide this works. And for anybody who's ever undergone any artistic endeavor or frankly, I guess, you know, working on a project at a corporation, whatever it is, when it gets approved, you're like, fuck yeah, man, that's cool. (laughs) So that has to be a good feeling. And Henry, I imagine you feel the same way. I mean, a passion project, that's the thing, right? You pour your life into this thing. You pour your dreams into it. You spend... Our, our minutes are finite on this planet and you believe in something so much that you make it. And I think that's what I was trying to say at the top of the show was it's not about validation, right? It's not about automatically getting wealthy, although both those things are wonderful if they happen, right? <laughs> but it's about having to follow your muse. It's about the nature of expression. It's what you do. And so to do that, but then also have other people be like, shit, that's cool. Let's do that. I mean, that had to be a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's still hard for me to believe to be honest because i mean just spending so much time with it and just hoping like uh, like i said the reason i i wanted to make it was to share this thing i thought was special with with other people and hope that they thought that too and and hope that i did that subject justice that because to me the band is what's great about the the documentary not what i did uh that like made it easy for me because i had such a great subject and so i just watching it, I can't even tell if it's good anymore. I just see all the, the, the stuff that I'm like, ah, no, that's terrible. But then when people are like, yeah, we want it in our festival and we want to do a screen, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, really? Now, now you got to go talk to people and they're going to be sitting there being like, hmm. But also, I mean, you have to recognize your role in this, right? Like, without you as the conduit, without you as part of the creative interpreter, this story doesn't get told, right? People don't know this music, they don't know that face. I'd never heard of skating Polly before we set this interview up, right? And so that's not a reflection on them, but it's a reflection on the fact that you are not only bringing this band that you love to light, but you are, and I've got to be honest, Jay Gregory, same thing, never heard of, never. I mean, again, I don't live in Seattle, right? I'm sure out there, a force to be reckoned with, I never heard of them. Uh, And so that's why these things are important, you know, and I'm looking at some of the other big listings that are happening this year at Sound Unseen. Fanny, a band I know very well, I own every single one of their records, the right to rock one of the most important again you know so i know babes in toyland Lori barbero mm. who's a good friend and is from minnesota obviously is in your movie as yeah. well i think that even to this day 
there is still this notion, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, when it's an all-female rock outfit, right? That there is this element of, it's a novelty band, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, it's all women. That's cute that women, yeah. even when they're great. Fanny is such an important and brilliant band, and so I love the fact that that's coming to light. Um, also, polystyrene, mm-hmm. I, X-ray specs, I am a cliche. And then also, um, the material issue, one that's going down, Material Issue, one of the great American power pop bands of all time. In fact, um, International Pop Overthrow is being re-released before the end of the year. It's never come out on vinyl before in the United States, and I'm extremely excited about it. There are so many cool screenings that happen, but the other cool thing about Sound Unseen and the world we've been forced to sort of adapt to in the last couple of years, there are these links that if you buy one of these badges and can't make it to the screenings, you can continue to watch all of these various things from the comfort of your own home or wherever it is that you have access to to it soundunseen.com one more question for each of you before we have to wrap things Mm -hmm. up what's next what are you going to do next amy you first well joe and i are going to work on another music video next year Mm -hmm. for his song china creek and then i have little projects that i work on um like a band named wind burial they're going to release some songs uh, at the end of the year and i recorded them in a studio and we'll release these videos of them performing as part of the promotion of it. Is there a ground zero for people who would like to know more about Amy Bilhars? Where, where would people go if they wanted to track down your art? Is there one central location? Sure. You can go to my website. It's just amybilhars.com, A-M-Y-B-I-L-L-H-A-R-Z. That's a double L in there, just to be very clear. All right, very good. And Henry, what about you? So you've done this. You've had success with it. You're enjoying it. I'm not saying there's any rush, but does that mean this is something you want to do more of in the future? Do you have other plans, at least ideas maybe percolating somewhere in the back of your head? Yeah, um, it's it's nice to not have been editing this documentary for a little while now because <laughs> I, I spent years and years and yeah. years whittling it down to a like a two-hour length from six to eight hours oh, the initial, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there the yeah. initial timeline well people always talk about the fact like especially with musicians you've got your whole life to make that first record yeah right. as a filmmaker you've got your whole life to make that first film now what are you gonna do um I've made a, a few music videos since then, which is nice because they're over much more quickly. Right, right. <laughs> a lot less moving parts. Um, I do other things. I, I do some acting and, and writing and, and music myself. But um, in terms of uh, documentary film, um, I don't have this project solidly happening, but I've been putting it out there recently because I really want it to happen. Um, I've, I've trained martial arts for on and off for around 18 years with someone named Danny Nosanto who was uh, a friend and training partner of Bruce Lee's, one of three mm. people that Bruce Lee certified to teach the martial art he came up with, Jun wow. Fan Kung Fu, or it's more well-known as, as Jeet Kune Do, which is a sort of later, uh, kind of early predecessor to sort of mixed martial arts kind of uh, thing. And he's an amazing figure who also went and collected all the different styles of martial arts from the Philippines, from people in the Philippines, but starting in Stockton where he grew up in the 40s and 50s, and then throughout California and Hawaii and the Philippines, you went around and then other Southeast Asian martial arts. He's, he's just this really great figure within martial arts, but also just has a, a fascinating life and uh, was a college athlete playing football and doing track. And then uh, actually uh, one of the trainers of the Dallas Cowboys in the 80s had him come in and do Filipino stick fighting with them to work on their sort of response time with their hands and just having mm. fast hands. And he's just, I, there's never been... He's been in a lot of documentaries about Bruce Lee, but there's never been a comprehensive documentary on him, and I would I would really love to make that happen. Are you telling me that if the door suddenly burst open and a half dozen evil henchmen came through <laughs> and tried to assume control of the Smart Start MN studio, that you could drop those motherfuckers one after the other? I, I would do my best. <laughs> Awesome. God, I almost <laughs> wish that would happen. I almost wish it would happen. Do you also it, know that Brian would be hiding from every single one? <laughs> oh, one of us man. I've, and I've, pushing I've, us towards the danger. No, you. <laughs> look, I've, I've, I've literally never thrown a single punch in my life. This I have these small, point. brittle, bird like bones. <laughs> they, they couldn't live up to the punishment. Is there a ground zero for you, Henry Mortensen, uh, of where much of your artistic output or thoughts or blogging or whatever yeah. it is you might do? What's ground zero for people to stay up on top? Uh, what you're up to. Probably the best way is um, 
Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I have the same screen name on, on those. It's Mixmaster H without the vowel. So M X M S T R H. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter is more me being kind of sassy and hopefully funny. <laughs> and Welcome to Twitter, right? And, yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the game. Are you actually a DJ? Uh, I mean, Mixmaster H is yeah. a very, it, it definitely points in a certain direction. I, ha- I had a radio show in college called Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio that yeah. was about the music that influenced and led to punk rock. Wow, I love wow. it. Very much Mixmaster H. You should lead with that, man. That's cool, <laughs> Henry. I like that very much. Henry Mortensen's film, Skating Polly, Ugly Pop, and the video by Jay Gregory, Don't Ever Give Up, done by Amy, Amy Billars, <laughs> are both featured elements of this year's Sound Unseen 2021. The 22nd annual installment, again, soundunseen.com is where you go. A quick thank you again to all of our sponsors and everyone who's ever been involved from the beginning. 203 episodes in without our patreon members we could not have done it without our good friends at audio quip we also could not have done it sean i can't do it without you thank you i'm we not sure a... i'm gonna make it through the rest of the weekend without you actually well stop by i'm sorry we're gonna we'll no, watch no a movie thanks. or something no, yeah, some popcorn I'll, I'll probably make it to your anniversary party coming soon we're planning it we're just got to get a couple of the details we're going to hire a band a full band uh to perform coming soon we just we have a few details to hammer out yes we do but it's coming up quick it's going to be outdoors, so get your longies out. Maybe. Oh, really? Might be moving indoors. Oh, we'll, we'll, we digress. We'll talk about that. All later. right. Well, once we actually know anything that we have to talk yeah. about, we'll talk more <laughs> about it. Thanks, everybody who's supported the podcast in any way. Henry and Amy, thank you very much. John, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Soundunseen.com. Now, we're going to wrap things up. I always like to end with a song, and usually when we ask people to play a song, it's because... I want it to mean something to them. But like me, playing Winter is Coming by Elf Power was the first song that popped into my head this morning. And for me on a podcast, that's good enough. Amy, you chose a song by Radiohead that I don't think I know very well, but I remember this record. This record changed the nature of the world we lived in because in Rainbows, up until that point, people were stealing and torrenting and ripping off music left and right. Everywhere that you went, it just people were downloading it. They were file sharing and the music industry was hemorrhaging. And Radiohead did something that no one had ever done before with this record, at least not on the scale or a band as big as Radiohead. And they said, you can just take this record. We will let you steal it. Or if you feel like we are worth your time and your hard-earned money, you can pay what you want for it. So, of course, there were people who gave them $2,000. There were people that gave them 5 bucks. There were people that gave them 10 to 18 trying to figure out the market. And, of course, there were plenty, probably millions of people who took it for free. But it was a mind bender. It pay what you want changed the nature of how music downloading happened at that point. So for me, that'll always be from an industry standpoint a very, very important record. But I got to be honest, I don't go very deep on the music on this record. Why'd you pick this one to wrap up the show? Well, it's a favorite because he's singing about capturing experiences on videotape, and there's just something I love to do. It's a passion, and so I really connect with this particular song. Beautiful. Amy, Henry, thank you very much Thanks. for coming by Thanks and so good much. luck with everything in the future. The Brian Oak Show, episode 203. Here's Radiohead. See